When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. My name is Blaine Bartlett and I am your host. Um, folks, we got an interesting show today. Um, and I say interesting not just because I'm interested in it, but it, it's a little variation on the theme of The Soul of Business. Um, one of my guests today, and we've got two guests that we're going to be speaking with here, is Marissa Levine. And I had Marissa on um, last year, um, you know, talking about the work that she does, uh, her firm at that point in time, Success Culture International, uh, and just a phenomenal you know, conversation. It was one of the highest rated uh, shows that we did. <laughs> And I, I was just thrilled with that. Well, she reached out to me um, a little bit earlier this, uh, well, what, about a month and a half ago, I think it was, and said, got great news. Stuff has happened. And uh, <laughs> she had ended up selling her company to another firm, Soar Community Network, that is absolutely phenomenal in the work that they're doing and the combining of these two organizations is what I wanna actually unbundle today. Um, the founder and CEO of uh, SORT Community Network is um, Mali uh, Panpadit. And I wanna welcome you as well. Now, um, both of you, I mean, you guys have known each other you know, for a fair amount of time. 20 years, I believe, is, is kind of the number that I heard here. But I want to you know, just kind of preface some of the stuff that we're going to be looking at here. You know, the conversation that I entertain, and this show is about conversation, is around what I call the soul of business. And I, you know, Carl Jung, you know, he spoke about soul as being that, uh, and Aristotle did as well. And so we've got a kind of a bookend here. Yeah, everything has a soul. A rock has a soul. <laughs> a tree has a soul. I have a soul. You have a soul. And I don't mean this in a religious sense. I mean this in the context of that, that, that spark that makes possible what I show myself to be in the world. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a rock, there's a spark that shows me uh, the way to be a good rock out there in the world. And I don't mean this in, in a flippant sort of a way. I mean, this is kind of a universal truth. It's an intelligent universe. It moves. There's creativity. It, it is continuously in process of evolutionarily uh, manifesting uh, greater and more, greater and more. That's what the soul wants. It wants to be greater. It wants to be more. It wants to come through in all of the ways that it possibly can. Now, that's my soapbox um, <laughs> conversation here. What I want to do is in this conversation today, how do we use the soul to grow? How do we intelligently, intentionally use the soul of our business to grow? 
not just to keep connected to it because somebody said it was a good idea to keep it, uh, keep it uh, visible and alive, but how do we actually leverage it? And that's the story that I want to have uh, Marissa and Molly actually speak into. So guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. What a great question and uh, very thought provoking and love your definition of the soul. And I agree. Um, we have to constantly give thought to how our soul will continuously evolve. And I think that that's a great place to start with how the integration, the union, the marriage of Successful Culture International and SOAR Community Network happened. Um, I, I had a partner with Successful Culture International. Uh, I started the company on my own about 13 years ago, 14 years ago, and brought in a partner, another woman named Jennifer Brown, who I knew for 20 years as well. There, I guess there's a trend here in terms of like going deep with relationships. And we expanded my company into an entity of known of Successful Culture International. So just in that transition lane, I guess you could say that the soul of my business expanded when I brought Jen in and my own soul was expanding, right? Yes. And that was my uh, second and third company. My, my first company was a company called Information Experts and I grew that for 17 years before evolving out of that company and launching Successful Culture. Then I evolved into Successful Culture International. And then in the middle of that, I actually built another company with another woman, but that we're not talking about that <laughs> today anyway. And so Successful Culture International formed. And through my partnership, we were able to take that to another level. And then as my soul continued to evolve, it became clear to me that my work in the world through my company now, Marissa International, was going to be greater than the work that we were doing through Successful Culture International, which is why I had the vision of getting it into the hands and the heart of the right person who then could continue to expand the soul of the company. That's perfect. Yeah, now, yeah, Malay, um, when, and, you know, I'm just curious here, because I don't, I'm just, yeah, naively answer, yeah, ask some questions here. Uh, when uh, Marissa approached you, uh, <laughs> what, what was, what was your, first of all, your initial uh, reaction? Because, yeah, you, know, you basically were, you know, and uh, SOAR Community Network is, or at least at the time, was pretty much geographically bound, you know, in, in North America. Is that correct? Yes, that's that's about okay. right. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so the how did possibility it evolve? of being, yeah, how did it evolve? And you know, the idea of international, you know, I'm and, and there's a reason I'm asking that question that I'll come back to in just a minute here. But go ahead. You know, how did how did the, how did this land with you? Yeah, I would go back to this the, the soul part of it all. I always had a vision as a as a young person that I was going to be an entrepreneur. And I always knew that whatever work I did was going to be international because I'm just an international being. I was not born in the U.S. I was born in Laos and my family fled the country during the Vietnam era. And so we were refugees of war. 
And being from the, the Eastern philosophy, how we grew up, I always saw myself as a global citizen. And so even in my heart, in my, in my spirit, I knew that whatever business I decided one day to launch, um, it would be an international business. And so I already had that in my heart. When Marissa uh, approached me, in fact, you know, because of the pandemic, we hadn't seen anybody and SOAR actually started to grow and expand during and throughout the pandemic because now we had uh, folks who were interested in working with us and there were no geographical boundaries anymore with the pandemic. All of our programs were designed even before the pandemic to uh, be delivered remotely. We just had that vision to, to be able to travel the world and do great work and not be bound by physically having to show up. So the great benefit for us was that we were already positioned for this. And we actually um, went to a joint event together. Uh, we, are, we serve on our board of an organization together and they were hosting uh, a gathering. And this was a two years in with the pandemic. So people were safe to gather now. And so we ended up on a yacht together for this networking event. And this is, I can't speak for Marissa, but this is where the seed fully was planted for Marissa. When she saw me there, she was like, oh, okay. I'm being reminded of where I need to go. So I'll throw that back on your lap, Marissa, to expand on that. Um, but Blaine, what happened was whatever spark was planted that day, a few, a couple of months later, I get this voice message. I think it was a text and then a voice message. I don't remember not to go back. <laughs> and pretty much in, I can't specifically recall every single word, but I know this. The context was Marissa had a dream. And in the dream, there was something having to do with a, a baby. <laughs> and then in the, in the dream, I realized when I woke up that the baby, my baby belongs to you. And that's when she said, I think you should, I think you should purchase uh, Successful Culture International. This is yours. This is, this is yours if you want it. And so when I heard that voice message, I'm like, is she insane? Like we're just in a pandemic. How in the world is this going to happen? We can't front load the capital. We're kind of in hold it. Let's keep everything steady and safe. We can't spend any money. Like I, all that stuff was going through my mind. And at the same time, there was something deep within me that told me, but stay open. But stay open. Mm -hmm. Like the fear part of me went to, you can't do that. That's insane. The limiting belief part of me said, you can't do that. That's insane. But then there was something deeper in that soul level that said, stay open, keep open. I love that. The idea of, you know, and this is where people get wrapped around the axle. <laughs> Excuse my phraseology on this, but they have this idea, they have this dream, this spark that the moment it happens, there's this light that goes on and, the, and, you, and you can feel it in your body. I've had this happen. I don't know how many times that there's this epiphany, this light, this thing, this, this idea that just vibrates. And then the brain kicks in and goes, yeah, but yeah, but, and we get, you know, my, my, my good, very good friend, Mary Morrissey, uh, talks about, uh, uh, you know, the, the thinking of, uh, you know, the way that you know, the world is structured, you know, old world thinking, yeah, the uh, ways that the, our paradigms will limit us. 
uh, Mike Dooley, another good friend of mine, talks about the curse of the how. And I was talking with a client the other day, and he had this brilliant idea, and he presented it to his board, and 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 the, you know, <laughs> it just kind of sprung it on him, and the the chairman of the board started applauding, and a couple of people, you know, just you know, they sat bolt upright. But then the naysayers came out, and they go, well, you know. What, what if, what can't, how about, but you know, all the yeah buts started coming out and there's this little damper that got put on things. Now the dream is still alive and they're going to you know, end up doing some very interesting things with it. But I'm interested in how, how um, the two of you actually kept the dream alive. And I want to talk here uh, in, in a little bit about the merging of cultures. But before we get to that, how did you keep the dream alive? Because capital is always going to be an issue. Yeah. And how we're going to front load this, you know, this purchase. And you know, how did you keep the dream alive as you navigated the uh, the, the necessary hows? You know, um, I think from the very beginning, we came to this from a, from a place of love and trust and shared purpose and alignment of values. Um, you know, any relationship at all if it's built on the foundation of love and trust, it can expand. If it's built on a foundation of fear and mistrust, it will not expand, right? Mm -hmm. Trust breeds trust, mistrust breeds mistrust. And so for us, throughout this entire process, we stayed in a place of love and trust. And again, that alignment of shared purpose shared values. This was my baby. I launched it 13 years ago. It meant so much to me to get it in the hands and in the heart of someone that I felt understood why we were doing what we were doing and they were going to care for it and nurture it and, and honor the spirit of what we built. And truthfully, there just was no one else that I envisioned being able to trust the way I trusted Molly. It just, there was Molly and there was everybody else. And that's just how I looked at it. So look, we, we manifest what we vibrate. We right vibration precedes manifestation. Mm -hmm. we, we manifest what we intend. And I, from the very beginning, that was just where we, both were. And we happened to work with two very good attorneys who um, both were very committed to making sure that we were both legally protected, but also really honored our relationship, right? And they gave us the room to be in relationship with one another. Is that a good way to put it, Molly? Like they Absolutely. really honored our relationship and we absolutely had to have the legal pieces in place, the, you know, letter of intent and the asset purchase agreement. And we had to do due diligence and we had to go through the legal process. But the transaction didn't become about the legal process. The transaction remained in the spirit of the union we were creating. I love that. Yeah. I'd love to I'd love to add to that plane. Um, I, I want to give credit to our two partners as well. Um, Jennifer and Victor 
Uh, Victor is my life partner. He's also the COO of SOAR Community Network. He joined a few years into me launching the business now over 11 years ago, soon to be 12 years. Can't believe it. Uh, I want to give them credit because it's important that, yes, Marissa and I had the relationship, but we were in partnership with others who Mm -hmm. owned the business as well. And without their trust, Mm -hmm. without them operating from a place of love, without them operating from a place of desire to do great work, to gift the world with the work that we are going to provide through this arrangement, through this quote-unquote transaction, um, that was essential to have everybody on board vibing the same way, having the same vision for what success looked like, and also to operate from um, our place of core values. At SOAR, we have three non-negotiable core values, and the first one is do everything with love. So Victor and I sat down and we said, could we do this with love? Are we in a place to, to create a, an acquisition that is filled with love and excitement? The second core value at SOAR is it must be a win-win-win. You know, will, will SOAR win in this acquisition? Will SEI win in this acquisition? And will the clients that we ultimately serve with, with the acquisition, with the assets that we're purchasing, will they win? That was important for us. And the third core value for us is be impactful. Will this impact and shift and shape and transform the lives of the leaders and the individual contributors in the workplace as we shape their culture? The answer to all three had to be yes uh, for myself and Victor as the leaders of SOAR to move forward. The answer was absolutely yes. So that was how we used our own core values as the compass to make sure that we were in, in integrity of the vision at SOAR, but also to honor, really important, to honor where Marissa and Jen were headed. And I remember one of the first conversations with the four of us together about this, I specifically asked on the agenda, why do you want to sell this company? Where are you in your life? What's your motivating why? Why is this important to you now? And what is a win for you? That's a great question. Yeah, how do we find, yeah, how do we define success? I want to, yeah, now for those of you that are listening, I, yeah, and and I apologize for this, I didn't really uh, provide an opportunity to describe what uh, the company does. Yeah, (laughs) what is it? The, the whole focus is on yeah, developing compassionate leaders that create a culture where everybody can thrive. I mean, that's kind of my take on uh, the, the, both of your organizations and now collectively the one that you have yeah, with SOAR Network. Yeah, developing compassionate leaders at every level throughout the organization. It's, it's, it's title agnostic, but compassion leads the, leads the charge and developing a culture that allows for everybody to thrive. So I'm gonna come back to this. We're gonna take a real quick break right now. Uh, And I wanna drop in when we come back to exploring the use of values as something other than artwork on the wall. (laughs) Okay, so been listening to Marissa Levine, uh, Levine, I'm sorry, and um, uh, Mali uh, Pompadat. And we will come back in just a moment. Wanna thank you for listening. 
Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. Before we took a break, um, you know, Mali had been talking about the use of uh, the three core values uh, that they use in their organization to guide decision-making and, and actually to inform the choices that they're making. And this was a very specific piece that in, and this is my language word, moved what in many cases when we're looking at a merger or an acquisition you know, process, and I've been party to a whole bunch of these, move it from transaction to something else. And I was struck by the, uh, the, the, the commentary that uh, both of you have actually referenced around the nature of relationship and the quality of the relationship. And it's my bias that all any organization is, is a collection of people that are in relationship. That's all any organization ever is. And then the interpersonal is the most obvious, but there's relationship with values, relationship with goals and vision, relationship with work process, relationship with fill in the blank. And if these relationships are working well, you got a pretty good shot at being successful. And where we get off the rails in my experience again here is when the focus becomes not on the quality of the relationship, but on the transactional process. Mm -hmm on the, you know, the focus becomes, let's get, get the transaction executed. So, you know, Molly, yeah, do it with love, win, 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 and being impactful. I, 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 you know, I, I understand from your perspective how this works. So you've got two cultures coming together and you know, my, my, my guess is that they weren't dissimilar mm -hmm. uh, in significant ways. So there was a lot of already overlap here. What cultural challenges did you experience as you started moving these organizations together that actually allowed you to say, we can tweak this a little bit, we can tune this. How does, you know, we, we need to integrate this in a little bit more, with a little bit more deliberation. You know, what, what kind of came up for you in that process? Marissa, I'll start. We had, in, in my humble opinion and also in, in, in my, my spirit, we didn't have any. It was almost, it was very spiritual for me because I'm like, how could this possibly be so easy? Mm -hmm. Like everything I've ever heard and been involved with, with our clients going through mergers and acquisitions, there's this huge thing, this heaviness, 
around culture and making sure people are on board. And they, we had none of that, Blaine. That's why I, I almost pinched myself every time we spoke, like, is something wrong? Or is this because it's absolutely right? And so that was my that was my experience with it. And it wasn't just between Marissa and myself, because we had the longer relationship. Um, I checked in with Victor all the time. And in fact, the only thing that we were laughing about, the four of us, was the transactional piece, the legal piece was slowing us down. Like it was just, we have to go back and forth. The legal stuff has to be in place. But spiritually, emotionally, we were, it was completely flow. The entire, all those months we worked together, everything just started to fall into place. We didn't have any issues with scheduling conversations. We drove where we needed to, to make things happen. It was, it was quite magical. And I'm not, that's an, that's an understatement. I think it was, it's, it was far beyond that. Oh, that's fascinating. I love that. Marissa, anything to add there? I think you, you captured it perfectly. It was so easy because again, it was trust. And um, from a cultural perspective, we really were in alignment from values, shared purpose. We just, everything hummed perfectly. And um, there was so much transparency right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, and we were so excited. We knew, Jen and I knew that our clients would be in such great hands with Molly and Victor and the entire SOAR team. And we also knew that our people would be in great hands. That was the other thing. Like from the very beginning, when this was going on with our people, we made sure that they knew that they were going to be taken care of. And the way that we we put so much care into transitioning the relationships. It was so intentional blame mm -hmm. that our people felt safe. It all comes down to the emotional safety that people feel in an organization. Our clients felt safe. Our people felt safe. And now that, you know, the transaction, I mean, now, you know, as of this recording, it's, it's hard to believe, but it's been over two months. It's two and a half months, right? Yeah. And they now, Mali and Soar, have beautiful relationships with all the people that were working within our organization. Like they've, they, you know, we made sure that everything with a warm handoff was done and, and you love our people and they love you. And it's just, you know, it, it just was all so natural because there was so much communication so much tra transparency, so much honorable intention for everybody to win. It was all done in the spirit of love. And that's why it turned out the way it did. And Molly, I can remember being in the conference room and you were so good at this. We were looking at the, I think the asset purchase agreement and it was, there was a section in there and it was just, it was very convoluted. It just, the way it was written was just, it was, overly complicated and the way that we broke it down as a team and made it simpler we just were always in lockstep the way we moved through the transaction complete transparency and communication blame that's beautiful you know yeah i'm going to come back to the uh the, the the value do it with love 
And I'm, I'm going to mark that one out for a very specific reason. From a business perspective, people hear the word love and they kind of go, yeah, what, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, Raj Sisodia, good friend of mine, you know, key architect in the uh, conscious capitalism movement, wrote the book uh, Conscious Capitalism with, uh, with John Mackey. Uh, prior to writing that book, uh, Raj wrote a book called Firms of Endearment. Mm. And I, I love the title. I, I mean, if, if there was a book title I could steal, that would be the one I would steal, Firms of Endearment. But the idea of doing things with love, and I'm, you know, this is where, you know, when you're, when you're, you don't have to be a jerk to be successful. <laughs> okay? You don't have to be an idiot to be successful. You don't have to be focused on the big pile of money to be successful. So how does love come into your definition of success. And, and Molly, I'm gonna you know, toss that one into your lap here. Um, yeah, with SOAR International, or, you know, you know the, the SOAR Network, and I keep saying SOAR International because you know, that's kind of where you're moving. Uh, the, the SOAR Community Network, your whole focus is on you know, compassion as a mechanism. And I say mechanism, not mechanically here, but as a, as a catalyst for creating the kind of culture, and I'm going to take this directly from your website here. Organizational leaders are concerned about retaining and attracting great people while many employees are struggling to stay engaged. Your experience shows that you know, human leadership and cultural development has to be predicated on the presence of caring, compassion. So programmatically, how do you actually use love as the catalyst for the work that you do throughout uh, you know, the, the different programs that you've got? You know, it is so, it's a powerful, complex question. And at the same time, from my perspective, it's quite simple. Basic human needs. Humans are the ones that show up to go to work. Basic human needs tells us that shelter, food, all the physical needs need to be met for someone to feel they're in abundance and overflow where they can operate at that higher level of self. But there's also emotional basic needs mm -hmm. to be seen, to be heard, to be valued, to feel cared for. So when we shape culture, we can't do that successfully and sustainably if we're not shaping humans. And because human beings are born into their circumstances, the soul is pure, yes. But when we enter this physical plane, we automatically have complex situations. The zip code we're born into, the, the country that we're born into, the philosophies that we're, we're indoctrinated from the moment that we have consciousness, all those th things start to unlevel the playing field, if you will. And so when you have all these com complex creatures, beings coming into the workplace, they're showing up with all of those things that have shaped them up to that point. And for us to be able to bring in that holistic approach to human development is essential because it creates a baseline. And the, 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 the most simple yet most complex place to start is compassion caring, love. We, can, we know what that feels like intuitively, so we must start there. And if we can create that, 
If we can develop compassionate, empathetic leaders at every level of the organization, focus on the human development aspect, then we can design cohesion, that, which then fosters collaboration. You cannot get to cohesion and collaboration without that, that foundational development of the human beings, being able to really see each other as whole humans, doing the best we can with what we have. I love that. What you're talking about is essentially a blueprint for creating a compassionately capitalistic organization. That's my take on it. Okay. And I'm biased because I wrote the book, Compassionate Capitalism, but, <laughs> but people are continuously asking me, first of all, you know, isn't that an oxymoron? Yeah. Uh, compassion and capitalism. It doesn't have to be. It absolutely can be merged together in an incredibly powerful way. And the answer to how do I do that, I think, you know, folks, if you're listening here, well, not, not if you're listening, if you're hearing my voice, you are listening, uh, but you need to go to yeah, soarcommunitynetwork.com, soarcommunitynetwork, one word, dot com. What they have is a programmatic approach to developing your organization and your leadership uh, from a perspective that can transform, literally transform the way not only your business is operating, but transform the way business is operating on this planet. Yeah, business has to be a force for good. Yeah, yeah. From my perspective, the purpose of business is to uplift the experience of being alive on this planet. And that's what SOAR Community Network is doing, is uplifting the possibility of how life can be experienced on this planet. So guys, um, any last words? We're gonna be bringing this to a close. And unfortunately, uh, I know we've got a, a kind of a hard stop with you, Mali. So I wanna be sure that we're honoring that. Uh, any last words? Where can we find out more information? Anything that you wanna <laughs> make sure people pay attention to? I, I just wanna honor Mali. What you just shared was so beautiful. And Mali, it is the exact reason why I knew that SOAR was meant to acquire us. It's, it, it was, that's the heart of, of an acquisition. And this is what it means to move through a transaction, quote unquote, from the place of your soul. And that's what we accomplished. Yes, it is. Yeah. Ali? I just want to acknowledge um, Successful Culture International's team and Marissa and Jennifer, because the reason why they asked us to take care, such mm -hmm. great care of Successful Culture International, their assets, is because they are also on a very personal journey of where they want to be in their lives, uh, to live their best life, give back with all the years that they've developed and shaped this, you know, it was not good enough to sell the business to just the highest bidder, it's not good enough just to dissolve the company because of all the magic and all of the heart and, and uh, energy that was poured into all of their programs. So they do have a home for it. And because here at SOAR, this is our purpose. We just get to live our purpose through this business. It's really going to be something special for all of the leaders who have an opportunity to really understand their own purpose in life. And that when they make these decisions around people and culture, it impacts the whole 
of their people, their families, the communities that their employees touch, as well as our impact as a whole on society. If we're all developing more compassionate leaders, we are going to create and innovate to change this world. And it's such a, it's such a need right now. There won't be humanity left if we don't step it up and do this very complex work. Yeah. Yeah, it's complex. It is certainly that. And my experience suggests that if I allow my soul to sing, we have the possibility literally to soar, no pun intended here. Uh, but that, the only way that we can soar as a, as, a, as a species is to let our soul speak and not our ego. Yep. So folks, you've been listening to, I, I hope, a, 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 a very provocative uh, conversation. Uh, Marissa, Mali, I want to thank you very much. I love what you've, uh, what you've created. I love what you're up to. Um, folks, as you're listening, go to my site, blainebartlett.com. You'll find uh, all kinds of stuff there. Uh, I'm going to leave you with this one. You know, find yourself a way to continuously be a center of distribution, not a center of accumulation. Nature distributes, it doesn't accumulate. And that's what we're looking for as a business owner, business leader, business employee, business consumer. It's not about accumulation. Yeah, give it away. Yeah, always look for ways to be a center of distribution. And until the next episode, thanks for listening. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.